one day we were talking, they said, man, you know what? Uh, I'm going to talk to my, 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 my private lender. And then the other guy said, well, you know, my first 50, I, I didn't put any money into it. And I'm sitting there like, Santa Claus is not real. Like, you know, like, like the idea that like how I thought wealth in investing worked is not how really it worked. Like all these dudes is making a ton of money with no money in the deals and no money like really out, out. And I was like, wait a minute, nobody told me this? Like, like Santa Claus is not real. Like this, you've been lying to me. I've been waking up every Christmas morning <laughs> thinking that somebody was coming down my chimney. I should have known when I don't even have a chimney that <laughs> Santa Claus wasn't real. I want to welcome everybody back to, man, our first ever Deaf Comedy Jam special. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, man. Welcome to First Generation Wealth Builders, man. I appreciate you tapping in with us one more time, man. I got a super, super dope guest that I recently met, uh, and I think that you're going to enjoy this interview, man. So I want to welcome Sterling Davis, man. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. I made it, mama. Like, I made it. Like, <laughs> this is it. Like, this is this is like the pinnacle. I can retire now. Man, like, cut it out. Like, I, I, I DM'd him, him on Facebook, and I was like, man, I just want to be like you when I grow up. Bro, and, <laughs> and he froze me in the inbox. <laughs> Stop that. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Because you said that the first time I met you, too. You was like, bro, you didn't return my message. Well, I did. I was just like, man, I'm a little busy. Um, and, you know, and basically you was, you was, uh, you DM me just to kind of connect. Yeah. Um, I just been swamped, man. Uh, as we talked, I've been a uh, short staff. I, I really get like how like dudes be jumping in uh, girls' GMs and they're getting froze. I, I feel that now. Like I've been married for, for 10 years. So I don't know. I wasn't around that generation. And this is like, I got froze. Dang, this is, this is what it feels like. <laughs> like he said, he hearted my message. He's like, <laughs> heart. Like I was like, dang. Man, I apologize. Like I no, said, no, I'm just joking. been, I'm joking. just been super, super busy, man. I just haven't had time. It's a lot of people that reach out. So Absolutely. if if that is you, I don't mean no ill intent. It's just um, I'm also in the pursuit, Absolutely. of trying to obtain uh, my next goal, and I didn't, I don't have the time as wealth, man. There time it is. Wealth. Uh, but man, you know, we here. Yeah, we. we I we made it. it. I made, made it. it. <laughs> I made it, Mama. Like, <laughs> hi, Mama. <laughs> All right, man. So. For those who don't know you, man, yeah. who is Sterling Davis? Yeah, man. So, um, you know, truly, I, I, I'm a I'm a creator of. That's what I look at myself as is is a creator. Like I, I almost look at it as like an artist. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been doing entrepreneurship for for 13 years now, right? So, I've been creating, building, trying to figure out life. Uh, for the last 13 years, right? So uh, my my mission in life is to improve and enhance the quality of my community, right? Like I want to improve the quality of life for for individuals around me that I, I impact, right? Like I've I've done it I've I've uh, I've done it all, right? Like I've I've realized at an early age I'm unemployable, right? Like I realized like <laughs> like I, what one year I had. 12 like 
jobs in a year. Like my tax lady was like, what the, like, are you serious? Like, mm. like, and I'm just, that was me just trying to figure out life. Like I knew that like college wasn't that. And I was, so now I own Ethosity Property Management. I own, I'm a part owner of uh, Central Indiana Real Estate Investor Association. Uh, I'm an owner of Color Blocks, which is our syndication company. Uh, and yeah, man, we, we just, Trying to build a better, you know, cliche, right? Like build a better community, right? Like, and we do it through real estate and other acquisitions. Yeah. Got you, got you. Man, to hop straight to it, um, uh, you, you mentioned syndication. Yep. For those who don't know, what is syndication? So it's, it's, it's the idea that you are building what we call a fund, right? Like you're building uh, a, a fund that people can buy into. Now, on a simpler form, you can either have a private or public one. Um, you know, what we're doing is we're building a public, um, we're, we're more of getting a 506 um, C destination so that we're, we're able to take people's uh, money that is more public uh, than, than people we know, right? Like you, you can have a syndication that works in which it's just people you know, right? I know him for 10 years. Hey, do you want to invest in this property? Great. This is your your term of what you're going to return of it. Are you going to get equity inside of it? Um, where we want to be able to open it up um, to other people, right? We want to be able to give it to uh, people that not necessarily has had opportunities to invest in real estate on a passive level, right? Yeah, too. So allow me to uh interject so what i hear you saying is that somebody watching can invest in you yeah. with you mm -hmm. uh maybe give you fifty thousand thirty thousand yeah. and then you will then broker a return a cash on cash return for right. them that's so, monthly yeah so i have to be careful right like I have to be careful because it's still, you know, there's guidelines in which that you with the, you know, the laws and things like that when it comes to marketing. Understood. Right? I'm sorry. Right. Right. So I, I, this is just a way in which you can do a fund, right? Like okay. um, that somebody can invest um, with somebody like myself um, and they could, you know, say we do apartment buildings and value add properties um, on a larger sense. Um, anywhere from a million to five million, right? And they could say hypothetically they can um, invest fifty thousand upward to invest in this fund, um, and they could either be a term loan. Hey, you're going to make eight percent on it, ten to ten percent on it, um, or they can be equity inside of it, right? They're going to make you know get their money back. But they also will get, you know, when we sell or when we get dividends, they will get a percentage in which they invested hypothetically, right? Gotcha. So uh, that's that's like, <laughs> that's my disclaimer, right? Like, Sterling's not a lawyer, like, <laughs> on the bottom, right? Like, but hypothetically, if you was going to invest in a fund, that's how you go about it, right? Gotcha, gotcha. That's big. That's big. Now, um, what all do you do in real estate? <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, primarily I started as a um, as a property manager, right? Um, and then as a property manager, uh, well, truly, so I first came. My parents, I'm a second generation real estate broker, Understood. right? So my parents started doing this thirty years ago, 
And they were like, Sterling, you need to get in real estate because they knew I was <laughs> not going to be a great employee. <laughs> like, but, you know, you got to be having these real conversations with your kids. Like, listen, you, college is probably not for you. You probably should get your license. <laughs> like, so so my parents was realistic. And I was like, I ain't getting my license because that's what my parents wanted me to right. do, right? Uh, but they were smart. They knew that they had a, you know, no kid, right? Like I was, I was, I was trying to figure out life, right? Uh, so I did, I ended up like gradually getting my license and started, um, you know, after a couple companies and things, uh, started my property management company. Uh, and that's kind of the, I would say the foundation of every other company since I started my foundation, uh, my property management company is kind of a branch from it. So our maintenance company, our syndication company, our real estate brokerage, um, Syria, like, you know, that I, I'm a part owner of, like all of those are kind of just a branch from the property management company. Got you. So I consider property management the real estate cheat code. What do you think about that? <laughs> I can see that, right? Like I can see why you say that. Because it is, uh, <laughs> right? Because it, it is. It truly is, right? Like, because we are, we get we get to see all of it. And this is how I started investing, right? So I started investing by managing my godfather's properties. My godfather had land. He had development. He had all these. And I was just learning. I didn't even know about investing, really. I didn't know about investing. I knew you manage a property, you collect rent, you do these things. And little by little, I'm like, oh, man, this is the return he's getting. This is what he – I started, you know, Google. I'm, I'm, I did graduate from Google University, right? Like, so I'm Googling <laughs> all the stuff I need to know about property management. And I was able to see how you handle maintenance. I was able to see how you handle a rental, how you, how you look at a budget, all these things that I started learning. Learned about, like, cash on cash, all these different things that – you, you get to learn by managing people's properties, right? And, and, and then that's why I, why I feel like it's a cheat code for me, right? Because now I got the game. Like they come to me and they're like, Sterling, I'm doing this, this, and this. Uh, I'm going to buy 100 rental properties. This is how I'm doing it. Like people just give me the game. Like I'm like, oh, cool. All right, taking that. I'm going to go buy 100 rental properties just like you bought 100, right? And that's basically how I started investing too, right? Like I just took what I was learning through property management and how these all these people was doing different things. And I learned what not to do, right? Mm. I learned, <laughs> whoa, whoa, that person over leveraged himself, right? Like he did the burr, but he took out too much money in the wrong neighborhood. I'm not going to do that either, right? So it, it, it truly allowed me to see so many aspects of real estate that I, I feel like it's a cheat code, but it also uh, <laughs> is is a uh, unique. Uh, it's a unique business to be. In. Let me let me say that. What's your biggest challenge as a property manager? Um, I, I, our biggest bottleneck inside property management is is previous property management, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is what we're trying to do. So I'm not a property manager, right? Uh, I never have done property management up until I started Ethosity Property Management. So for me, what it allowed me to look at it is as an entrepreneur. Any entrepreneur, you have a profit and you have a loss, right? Correct. Inside property management, if you go to a property management conference tomorrow, 
The number one question that they everybody asks you is, you know what it is? You probably don't. I don't. The number one question is, how many doors do you have? Mm. Right? I knew that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you did. <laughs> like, they ask you how many doors you have. As an entrepreneur, you know this. That means nothing, right? Sure. That absolutely means nothing. Because you can have a thousand doors and not have a pot to piss in. Mm. And so for, for me, I started looking at this holistically of how an entrepreneur should look at it. So I said, some of these rules that you have been living by is completely BS, right? Like, it's completely uh, stupid. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And the challenge, the biggest challenge has been the idea that it's changing a culture, right? It's changing the idea that a percentage model-based um, fee structure is, is good, right? Normal property management says... Your rent, whatever your rent is, charge 10% of it, right? Right. But why does that make sense? In in other businesses, your Big Mac does not cost more because you get it from 38th Street than you get it on 116th Street. Right. Right? So why do we do this inside of property management? And that's what I started challenging. I started challenging the idea of this norm because in my property management, you either have people that died after three to four years in property management or people that's been here for 50, right? right? So it was never like in between there. So the biggest challenge has been changing a culture that doesn't help the investor that's investing that you're managing a property, nor does it help the business. So most investors would tell you property manager, my property manager sucks. The communication sucks. Everything about it sucks. Most people understand that about property management, but they don't understand or want to change property management for the better. Mm. Because, so it's that culture that says, yeah, they suck, but I don't want to pay anymore because this is the model in which we've been, we've been doing this. So every day, that's what we fight. Every day, it's we're improving. When technology improves, we improve. With with the culture, you know, just different demographics change, we're, we're changing. But it, it still gets bumped up against because we're like, well, we're going to charge you for every fee. Every, we're going to charge you for the services that we render, just like any other business. And people are like, what? No, I just, I want the percentage model. And what I tell them is, think about this. It's, it's kind of like property management before I got into this was a loss leader. Most people stock them deep and sell them cheap, right? Mm -hmm. When I get to 100 doors, I'm going to be profitable. I get to 1,000 doors, that's when I'm really going to start making money and I can start hiring people. Well, what happens is it's this a projection of, all right, I'm going, but you know, any business, you grow, what do you need to do? Add more resources to it. Right. So that profitability in that dream Shrinks, never happens, right? Same thing. 300 doors, 500 doors, it shrinks, it shrinks, it shrinks. So as we started changing this, this culture, people are like, I like it. I like what you're doing, but I don't want to pay more for it. And I argue, you're already paying more for it. You just don't know it. Mm. So what makes your company, your property management company, better than the next <laughs> so um i think there truly i think there's other good property managers right like I, I do i do um i think we when we look at property management um 
inside of it. And inside the niche that I'm talking about is, you know, residential, small multifamily. Most of the residential is less than 125,000. The multifamily is less than 20 to 30 units um, inside of that. So what makes us, uh, what is our competitive advantage Mm -hmm. is, is the idea of our mission. Our mission is to enhance the quality of our community, period, right? Um, and we do that every day. Every day we strive to do that. And so I think most property managers, if you ask them, they have the same thing we have, right? They have a property management software. They have uh, somebody that answers the phone, hopefully. They have a leasing call center. You know, at this point, we all go to the same seminars, right? Like we right. all tap into the same thing. Right. But truly what makes us different is the idea of what we're doing it for. And, and, and that's what people buy into for us, right? Is that we're not just going to go in and invest in this neighborhood and help you invest in a neighborhood, but what is the impact and the influence that we have while we're investing in that neighborhood? And that's what we fight for, right? Like that's, that's what makes us different. And that's what we do for owners, right? Like our shareholders, our partners, is, is that's how we improve the quality of their life. Got you. Got you. Understood. Now, you mentioned Syria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for those who don't know, what is Syria? So it's Central Indiana Real Estate Investor Association, right? So it's a, a membership organization. We have about 900 active members inside of it. It's where you can just go learn about uh, real estate investing, right? Got you, got yeah. you. What's the, what's the impact that it's had on you? It's been great. It's been great. So I started uh, six years ago with Syria. As, just, just as a, a member? Yeah, just as a member. A volunteer. I was just going just to kind of find, you know, in sales, you're trying to find a whale, right? So we had the property management company. I'm like, where's the investors, <laughs> right? Mm. So I, I started going to Syria, which there's other RIAs, right? If you're an investor or you're a broker or anything, like get connected to your RIA. I, I, I preach that, right? But so Syria was dope. It was the largest in central Indiana. Um, at the time, it was a nonprofit, um, had some challenges as a nonprofit, right? Um, we had some new leadership. They asked me to join the board. They asked, uh, you know, Vicki Perry, who's uh, retiring this year, but she was the executive director. And we were probably at like 300 members when I joined. So I became the vice president of it. We, we, we really worked at, um, giving just a better um, product, man. Like most of these RIAs you go to is somebody trying to sell you a package. Mm. And what we realized is most people don't want to be sold anything, but they do want to learn something. They do want to take, they want to build, right? Like they want to grow. Uh, and they want to hear from people that look and sound like them, mm-hmm. right? That's whatever your your native tongue is. They want to see that, right? And so that's what we started giving them, right? We started building people. Like that's where I kind of found my voice a little bit more about investing. You know, more local people that that have you know local knowledge, right? Like instead of these national speakers and gurus coming in, we still have some, right? They still have. You not a guru, bro. <laughs> I, I, I'm just a man trying to get by, bro. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to figure it out. Like hey, that, 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 that sports coach says, "Google." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and this sports coach says nothing was clean this morning. <laughs> <laughs> this sports coach is like, man, all right, uh, can't wear my sweatsuit. Wore that three days in a row. Very <laughs> <laughs> silly. But now go ahead. I'm so sorry to interject. No, nah, nah, man, I ain't no guru, man. They so so I hate. The idea of gurus, though. I, I've been burned by so many coaches and <laughs> gurus and stuff, man. So I love mentors. I love those aspects of it. But, like, gurus remind me of people that take themselves too serious. Dead. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, I can't disagree with man, you. Like, you you really think you the ish. Like, you know, you you come down a little bit, right? Yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah. Know, I, I, you know, so that's that's kind of the difference, I guess. Like, I'm, I'm not a guru. And back to it though, um, when it came to Syria, the impact, yeah, you know what I'm saying, on you, you became, you know what I'm saying, a board member. Yeah. Uh and, and so for those that are new to real estate, mm-hmm. um, what do you see, you know, that th- those new members gain when they when yeah. they get there? Yeah, I think it's huge. I I really do think I, I think Syria in itself, in its essence of what we do for new investors is really dope. Because there's a safe place, right? Like, mm. it's sometimes hard going in, like, where we met, right? We went to Finance of America. It's all these people that's been enduring this for umpteen years, and they're talking, you know, industry terms. And you're like, but if I was new, I would be kind of lost. Mm. Like, you know, I would be kind of, I'm like, man, this this is great drinks and food, but... uh what y'all talking what about? What y'all talking about? Like, right, like you right. know, so I think Syria is good for that, right? Like, I think it was great for, even for myself, right? To really learn um, in a safe environment where people wasn't judging me, right? Um, I think that's where we really have have hit the nail on the head, right? I, I think, you know, when I look at Syria's, like, projection, right? Syria's actually been around since, like, 1980. Mm. Started as the Landlord Association. Um, and then the Landlord Association kind of, they only wanted to talk about was landlord and stuff. Like, But you realize, you know, investing is more than just landlording, right? Um, and then that's, that changed over to Syria. Um, they wasn't making money. Um, and then we came in and now we're profitable. Had to go to a, from a non-profit to a for-profit. That was a bump in the road. But now it's it's thriving. Like we're we're doing really really well um, inside of what it does for you know new investors is is insane. I think I think it's one of the best resources that you can invest in for less than three hundred dollars a year. Got you. Can you talk about the power of proximity and some of the dope people that you met? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think I think you know it's it's one of those things that uh, when I first got to Syria. Uh, you know, was the idea that I just wanted to be, Vicky asked me, she said, what do you want to do? I said, I just want to be available, mm. right? I want to be available for whatever God has for me, right? Like I want to, if you introduce me, I'm available. If you, in, you know, want me to go, I'm available, right? So when I started just being available, I started sitting in rooms with people that's been doing it. I, I, I joke with uh, this dude, Dave Short, right? Dave Short, I joke because he's like 192 years old, right? Like he he, <laughs> he was flipping houses with Moses, like you know, like Dave was up in here, like listen, that's a nice boat. All right, I get it. Like we got to build it, and they were come, funny. like right, that's like, funny. But, so he's seen like real estate transition. He always tells me, Sterling, every 10 years you got to reinvent yourself, right? Like mm. so he's seen real estate 
every 10 years kind of make this shift. I mean, he's been doing it for 275 years. So, I mean, like, he has to be able to know what's going on. So being able to be in rooms with people like that is amazing. He flips like 10 to 15 homes a month. Wow. Right? And, and you know, I told somebody yesterday, I was like, man, I think what Cyria changed for me as a little black boy was, was I, it was almost like, I found out Santa Claus wasn't real. I did explain right. that. <laughs> so look, 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 right? So when I first got into, sorry, I'm, it's cool. I'm it's the mic. Up. It's cool. uh, when I first got into Syria, I thought people bought real estate because they were rich, mm. right? And then this dude that was working with me doing this, he had 60 units we were managing, right? He had 60 units he was managing. And Dave was flipping 10 to 15 properties a month. And one day we were talking. They said, man, you know what? Uh, I'm going to talk to my, 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 my private lender. And then the other guy said, well, you know, my first 50, I, I didn't put any money into it. And I'm sitting there like, Santa Claus is not real. Like, you know, like, like the idea that like how I thought wealth in investing worked is not how really it worked. Like all these dudes is making a ton of money with no money in the deals and no money like really out. out. And I was like, wait a minute, nobody told me this? Like, like Santa Claus is not real. Like this, you've been lying to me. I've been waking up every Christmas morning <laughs> thinking that somebody was coming down my chimney. I should have known when I don't even have a chimney that, that Santa Claus wasn't real. But that so, so for right. me, it was that was the 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 aha moment mm. was being in you know these rooms with people and they start telling you like, nah, I brought this flip. Yeah, dude gave me eight percent with one point. All I had to do was pay that point and I got that flip money. What? Are you kidding me? Mm. Uh, like, so for somebody listening, the eight percent, yeah, that's the interest rate, right? Absolutely. Gotcha. How yep. much money down did the dude have to put down? So, <laughs> right, like now, Dave. I shouldn't tell Dave's business. Now, if I was hypothetically talking about Dave because he does so much deals, this dude is doing no points, eight percent, seven percent, right? And so when I first started doing this, I'm getting like three points. 12%. Mm-hmm. So I'm paying dang near 15% on my deals, right? Uh, I remember uh, we talked about Brian Snyder. Brian Snyder told me, he's like, yeah, man, you just need to keep doing deals. I'm telling you, it'll get better. Just keep doing the deals with this dude. It'll get better. And now we, we're at, we still pay one point uh, and at nine to 10%, just depending on which deal we do, right? Gotcha. So so it, it it's it's improved. I'm still not doing 15 deals a month, right? Like if I did 15 deals a month, I get no points and 8%, right? So, gotcha. Do you flip? So I I am a, I I kinda, right? So I do whatever the deal tells me to do. Smart man. Right? So I don't look at investing in the sense of like going in, like I only buy and hold. Because I feel like you will lose opportunities because you're so rigid, right? So I I, I flip, I guess. I kind of wholesale a little bit. I do regular brokerage. Every deal is a different deal for me. Uh, I buy and hold. The ultimate goal, though, is to buy and hold, right? Like that's my ultimate goal. But 
every deal is not meant to be held. Got you, got you. Why is your ultimate goal to buy a home? Because I think that is what real estate is meant to be used for. I think real estate is meant to be leveraged and it's meant to be a vehicle in which we hold it inside for different reasons, tax benefits and and just appreciation. And, 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 and you know, so that's my ultimate goal is to hold real estate, right? Um, now, I think, you know, as I, I mature and things, I realize there's some other alternatives and things, but I love what real estate does when you hold it. But like I said, that does not mean that every deal that comes across my desk is meant to be held. But I I'm I'm at a point where I believe every deal was meant to make money off of though. There, there right? you go. There you <laughs> like go. that's like I, I found that even if it's five hundred dollars, I can make money off of it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm. I'll take five hundred if I can move it quickly, right? I'll take a thousand if I can move it quickly. I so I, I really truly believe in leveraging everything that I do. How many units do you currently hold? So I own 30 units. Gotcha. Uh, I'm selling 10 of them, though, because it's market, right? So the first 10 I bought, very urban areas, um, and they, those are my babies, right? But um, the market is telling me this is the perfect time to sell these 10, right? Okay. So it's at its highest and best. Uh, the house is never going to be worth more than 65000 right? Like, it would take me... It would take me 25, 30 years to, if everything goes right, to make some of the profit that I'm going to make on, on the houses that I'm selling, right? So um, so I manage, we manage about 550 units. Understood, understood, understood. Well, what's the sweet spot you look for on, for your um, buy and hold portfolio? Again, it all varies because mm -hmm. we know that every property is bringing in a different yeah. uh, margin. Yep. But what would be a great spot, a cash flow for you monthly? Maybe that's <laughs> a better question. Yeah. What, what's the best? What, what would be a great cash flow for you monthly? That's the best question. Yeah. So, so for me, uh, I love. First, I love. This is. I shouldn't tell this because then people always takes my stuff, and I'd be like, "Dang it, I miss out now, <laughs> right?" But my favorite houses are houses that are small, on a slab, on a crawl, um, two ones, three ones. Um, you know, Eagle Dell type houses, right? Like those are used to be, those are my favorite. I love those type of houses. Um, my monthly cash flow, I, I like to be above 200 if I can, um, because everything has to go right. Um, I started, you know, 10, 12 years ago, uh, <laughs> and I started these urban areas, right? And that's where I built my, what I call my renter center model of management. Right, so when I first bought my house, uh, houses there in very, I mean, they in the hood basically, right? Like they in the hood, um, and I was making, I was projected to make about two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars on them, right? And that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon that you make a higher margin inside of the urban areas because you buy them cheap, but it's a risk and a reward, right? So I was making two fifty to three hundred on them, great properties. Um, in the sense I got them for what I, I had to, you know, put in what I had to put in. So every week it was something new. Mm. Every week it was a garbage disposal, screen door. Somebody stole my AC unit. So I said, wait, I can't keep doing it like this. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the year, tenants moved out. I said, what has to be inside these rental properties? By law, what has to be in these rental properties? And and 
I started looking. I said, well, in these units, most of these don't even have AC. I was adding AC just as a benefit. But I started realizing the standard for these neighborhoods at $600 in rent is they don't even come with ACs. I said, bro, they would be burning up today. Oh, boy. <laughs> so so I garbage disposals. I had three garbage disposals go out in the first week of buying one of my properties at the wow. time. Screen doors, stove, refrigerators, all these things I was adding to the properties that was not necessary. So I said, look, told my contractor, take all that stuff out. Screen doors, all that. Take it all out. And I said, listen, why I call it the renter center model of management, right? It's because I give them... The standard never changes. Still give great flooring, still give great painting, kitchen. All that is still the standard in which that we, we don't go below the standard. But what we did was we said, all right, you want a stove and refrigerator? Bet. I got you. You know how you rented your TV, your couch, your everything, right? You can rent this stove and refrigerator from me for $30 deposit. I mean, non-refundable deposit. Uh, and $30 a month, right? So that's what we started doing. We started renting it back. And I'll buy it on, like at the time, I was buying it from like Big John's and places like there for $100. So within a couple months, I made my money back. I added revenue on my, my rental that wasn't there. Uh, and it, it worked. And also, we gave them the option that you, do, you didn't have to rent from us if you don't want it. But if you were to rent from us, these are the standards. So what happened after we, we gave them that option? People started saying, I don't want your stove and refrigerator. Okay, bet. It's your responsibility though, right? Mm. So when we didn't make that extra cash flow, we end up making the extra cash flow because we weren't responsible for it, right? So that that's how I look at just rental properties. Every rental segment from below 800 and below to 800 to 1,000, 1,000 above has a different style in which I believe you you can do different things. Like 1,000 above, like you have to, you know, have some amenities and things like that. But there's certain fees and things that I can add that they don't even flinch at. Got you, got you. Now, somebody listening may say, man, $200 a month is not a lot. Yeah. Why would he invest in a property like that that only cash flows $200 a month? Yeah. So there's there's a lot of reasons, right? One, because how much, it's not about how much, it is about that monthly, right? Like I love monthly cash flow, but you have to ask yourself, how much did you put in to get $200 a month, right? Like if I, if I told you, you can have $200 a month, but you paid $100,000 for it, you'd be like, nah, that's stupid. I ain't doing that deal. Like that don't make any sense. But if I told you, you can have $200 a month and you initially put $10,000 down, and then after six months, you refinance that out, you make $50,000 plus that $200 a month, you would be like, and you, you make 50, and you make you know 15 to 20% on that, two, on that 10,000, now you're like, all right, that's a good deal. I'll take, gotcha. I'll take $200 a month, right? Understood. And, as well as, I believe, like, you know, when I first started, 200 wasn't anything. But then I got the 10 units and it was, you know, 1,200 or, you know, it was mm. 22,000, it was 4,000, it was 5,000. Little by little, that, that 200 became 
worth it, right? Like it, it's it's the it's the numbers game. So I, I always say like you can you can get the cash flow. That's part of it. The appreciation's another part of it, and of course the equity in which you have inside the deal is is another leveraging point. Got you. So as we talk, you got the property management. Yep. You have um, your properties, and then you also have the syndication that you're starting. Yep. How big is your team? Yeah, so <laughs> uh, ever-evolving. Uh, so we have seven people that work for me right now. Uh, we have, the, as, an, as W-2 employees, we have a host of different real estate agents that kind of help people find deals. We have the wholesale side of it. Um, so we have about five people on that side okay. that, that helps find deals for people. Um, it helps investors through the process, right? Um, and then the syndication company, it's just me and a partner right now. Uh, and we have an assistant. So uh, it's, it's a, we, we kind of keep it tight, man. Like we, most of the people been with us, you know, for, for a good long haul. Um, you know, I, I really, honestly, I'm not that good. My team is amazing though, right? Yeah, like yeah. I said it, I said it, everybody heard it. Uh, <laughs> like, everybody heard it. Like, I mean, my, my team is, is, is rock stars. Like, I mean, they can go anywhere else and be executives. You mm. know what I mean? They can go anywhere else and be, you know, own their own business. So, um, I talked about this in the prior podcast. What do you do to retain talent like that? Because, you know, a lot of us smaller investors fear that as we grow and we're empowering somebody that's super talented, even probably more talented than we are, yeah. could then, you know, go off and do their own thing. Yeah. So I look at it like this, right? I'm a basketball, a former basketball player. I coach. Um, I look at it as like how coaching is, man. It's it's the coaching tree, right? Like I want people to leave me and excel, right? Like I want people... Like we we hear about uh, the Bill Belichick tree mm-hmm. from Bill Parcells, right? Like, and you mm-hmm. see those people, and you're like, "Dang, he's a good coach. He's a good coach." But we also hear the alternative, right? Like, well, this dude came from under this dude, and they never really flourish, right? Mm-hmm. So I pride myself on people leaving and thriving to be better, it. right? Like, I love it. Uh, I love that our team is going to be executives in other places, and they're what they learn from us. Hopefully, is 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 something that is is transferable to other walks of their life, though. No, no doubt, no doubt. Now I got to go back a little bit. So you told me a little bit about your journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you was just like, you know, you yeah. kept getting fired. Yeah, I was terrible. I was terrible employee. Your attitude probably sucked, bro. <laughs> no, no, like it's really that I, I didn't take anything serious. Like I got because you. I was like, oh, what happened? I, all right, I quit. <laughs> like I, my college years was 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 not a normal college year. So so for me, like, you know, I had a kid at eighteen. Right, gotcha. so I had a kid at eighteen. Me and my my wife now. Um, she 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 was smart. She was like my mom. So real story. My mom told me when I told my mom and dad, uh, Melissa's pregnant. Mm. We're having a baby. Mm. My mom goes, "Why'd you ruin that girl's life?" <laughs> <laughs> so. So the expectation was really low for me. Like, you know, like, oh my God. The expectation for me to be great. Like, so I went over a friend's house uh, this weekend, right? Like, 
He won the national, uh, the the NBA championship, and all our friends was there, and they was like, "Sterling, man, it's crazy you made it." <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean?" They was like, "Man, I just I don't know what you thought we we thought you were become, but like, it's crazy you made it." Like I was I'm like, dead. I was like, "Man, expectations was really low for me in high school." Like the roadmap is all these examples people were telling me that I. I had no, like, I guess I was in the yearbook, like, most likely not to succeed. Like, (laughs) so, so for me, I guess expectations was like, hey, but for me, I knew I was always going to be great. Mm. Like, I always knew I, like, so I started doing comedy, started doing acting, right? Like, so I was acting in high school while I was playing basketball. And I used to, I used to have a headshot and I will sign it. And I hand it to people, like, I'm going to be famous one day. You might as well keep it. Like, <laughs> and I was just went around, like, like my teachers was having on their wall and stuff. So I never lacked confidence, right? Like, <laughs> I never lacked the ability to, like, to think that I was going to be great, right? So, uh, but I realized everybody around me was betting, like, on, on Sterling to fail, right? I'm, I'm so dead. <laughs> So, like, let's let's talk about that, man. You talked about comedy. Yeah, talk about that, that a little bit. So, so, man, I I I was playing basketball. Realized like basketball wasn't for me. Basketball, where at? Uh, so I was playing at Pike, uh, and then I end up having found out I had heart disease, and they were like, "You shouldn't play anymore. You're gonna die." Mm. And I was like, so I played a little. I went to a prep school, and I was like, uh, "Forget what they talking about. I'm still playing." Oh wow! Like so, so I was acting at the time, like doing, like so. I have a did a safe auto commercial, did a Nike commercial, did all these things, uh, and then I was like, my teacher, my man, this this is actually just telling. Like I, I realized my whole childhood, people didn't really think I was going to be talking. So my teacher told me this. He said, he said, Sterling, um, I don't know what you're going to become in life, but. You sure are funny, so maybe you should focus on that because I don't think school is for you. <laughs> like, my, well, he was trying to direct you in what he saw yeah, your talent, your gift yeah, was. Exactly. So, 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 sci- my science teacher, Mr. Drumright, I know you. Thank you. Right. So, so that made me start thinking. So I started picking up doing shows at um, Crackers Comedy Club, and I was just turned eighteen. So I started doing shows. Uh, and I realized, I was like, man, I like this. Mm. But I'm one of those people, I'm zero to 100. I can't just do it halfway. Mm. So had a kid at 18, I'm 18 doing stand-up comedy. I said, I'm moving to California. <laughs> okay. My, 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 my girlfriend, now wife, she's like, what? I said, God told me I need to move to California, right? And so my dad's a preacher. He's like, Sterling, you need to get a real job. You need to do da 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 And I was like, yeah, you know, just like you think God moves you. I think God is telling me <laughs> okay. to go to California, right? Okay. So I go to California. Does she go with you? No, no. Mm. So I, 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 my thing was, I was like, listen, if we're meant to be together, we'll be together, right? Um, and it's worked out, right? About to be ten years, uh, August fifth, right? Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. So, so we 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 go to I go to California, um, living on my cousin's ex boyfriend's couch, <laughs> like, and I didn't have it. I was just like, I'm going to do stand up comedy. So I started working at the comedy store. I started writing 
for people, end up getting an internship to write for like Conan O'Brien. Um, and it, everything looked up for me, right? But I started realizing that I was not as good of a comedian as I was a business person. Mm. Like, so comedy was like, all right, you want a set? All right, how many people can you bring? You, you, can, you can open if you can bring 50 people. Bet, I can get 50 people in here. All right, so I started learning the essence of the game. And I was like, man. And then, you know, California California won, Sterling zero, right? Like, uh, things just started getting rocky, right? right. Like, uh, Conan at the time was on a late show, but he left because of some things. So I was fired. And then I was at the comedy store. I was only making minimum wage at the time, so I had to come back with a negative 400 bank account. But what I learned from that experience was the greatest gift of all, right? Mm -hmm. it, it taught me how money worked. It taught me how to like, California is like my spirit animal now. Like it's like, if I just need to go get rejuvenated, everybody hustling in California. Like everybody trying to get it. Like, you know, I, I went on, like at the time I went on a date with this girl and <laughs> our date ended with her showing me her like, her trailer for her like her movies and stuff and she was like i heard your your friend is a producer so can he come in here and watch this for me <laughs> like, oh wow i was like i was like i thought we was on a date she was like well i don't want to miss this opportunity like if he can come we'll watch this trailer real quick wow. so like you know everybody's hustling and i love that so when i came back here man it, it was boots boots on the ground let's hustle let's get it and i, I realized like all right, I, for the next year, I, I tried to work for people. So I had 10 jobs in one year, right? And I was like, man, I, I'm terrible at this. Mm. So I, I started, that's when I started the entrepreneur journey. Going back to the beginning of your real estate journey, what was your first hire? I didn't ask that earlier. Yeah, so my, my first hire initially was my wife. Mm. We was... We was living in a condo that I bought for $19,000, right, um, in the Villas of Oakbrook. Um, I just told everybody where I lived. Um, <laughs> so, so like, people are going to be knocking on the door like, you are not supposed to be written this out. The HOA guidelines. <laughs> so I, I, I hired it, right, at this point. I've been an entrepreneur for a while now, right? And the one thing I always did, my mom and dad always taught me was like, respect the game, right? Like, if you're going to drink, respect the game. If you're going to sell drugs, respect the game. Like, whatever you do, you got to respect the essence of whatever game you're playing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what made entrepreneur, like, real to me. Like, if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to wake up at 9 o'clock. I'm going to do everything I need to do, right? So I hired my wife first, not because she was my wife. Because she was the best employee that I seen around me. Mm -hmm. At the time, she was working at an engineering firm as a director of marketing. Um, she she was very much what I needed at the time was structure, right? She's a black and white type of person. So I hired her first day in our living room, disc profile. <laughs> Gave her a job description. And that was like it was amazing because her disc profile taught me more about my wife than I ever knew. Mm. Like part What's of a disc profile for those. So people? a disc profile, Tony Robbins, 
um, bought like this program called the DISC. And it, it basically breaks you down in, in different categories from a D, a I, a S, or a C. You're either dominant, influential, uh, stable, or cautious, or comfortable, right? Like one of those four things you are, right? Uh, and then it gives you attributes in which how you are, how you perceive, how people perceive you, and then it takes you how if somebody's going to work with you, how they should work with you, right? Sure. So it was really dope because it, it helped me understand my wife in a level that I never understood. Mm-hmm. Like my wife's one of those people. One of the things was she doesn't like being interrupted when she's focused on something, mm-hmm. right? Which is the opposite of me. I'm a D and I. I'm one of those people like squirrel, right? Like I'm like I'm like, hey, I know you're working on this. Can you start this too? She's like, no, let me finish this, let, right. and then I go to my next one. Where I'm working on three things at one time. Like oh, what? 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 Man. So so it, it helped us, man. It really helped us. Like she was the the best first hire that I I could ever ask for. Mm. Yeah. Does she still work with you? She does. She does. And in a different capacity, uh, the goal is in the next two years that she will probably be out of the business, though. Right. Okay. Um, We had a a baby four months ago and she's like, wait a minute. I want to be a stay at home mom. (laughs) Like, uh, And I think, you know, at some point, you know, for her, she she what she she's laid the groundwork. For anybody to be able to take over and do what she does now. Understood. Um, my biggest fear is I think every business got to have, you know, what people say you got to have a visionary, you got to have an integrator. I think the one thing Traction missed was I think every business got to have a pit bull, <laughs> right? And you, you got to be able to have a leash on that pit bull. And you, sometimes you got to take that leash off, right? I'm not the pit bull. I, I, I'm just not. I'm more like a poodle. That will yap, 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 and then you flinch at them, and they're like, hold on now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, you know, so I think every business need a, a vision person, and they need an integrator, but they also need a pit bull. And the, so as we start looking to transition her, uh, I keep telling them, like, hey, we got to have somebody that's going to be the pit bull and enforcer, though. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to pick up that, that, that side of it, so, yeah. Got you, got you, man. That's dope, dope. Kudos to you guys to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. And you've been in business six years, you say? So, Ethosti has been around eight years. Eight years. Okay. Yeah, so it, it transitioned from actually a GC company that we were owning 10 years ago. Got you. Um, and, and it was a commercial GC management company that we did big box stores. And then big box stores kind of slowed down, so we are like, we need residential business, too, and so little by little, man, uh, we got into this property management thing. Got you. I think I know the answer to this, but what do you credit your most success to? Whew. That's that's uh. So, you know, it, it, everything is my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? Like, all right, we we gonna move that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's understood. God is is the the head of my life, and he, you know, we all black people go down that. <laughs> Like, right, like, got it, right? Understood that. Um, my life changed, though, when I found out I had heart disease. Mm. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. Why? So so most of my friends was ball players, right? And that was our identity. That was who we were. Like, we were hoopers, right? We, we, we barely did school, but we hooped. Like, that's what we did. So... 
for me, that was would have been a struggle to shed, and I would have held on for too long. Mm. I would have been 27, 28. That guy is like, man, Sterling. I would have been everything that everybody thought I would have been, right? <laughs> like, because I would have held on for dear life. I held on even when they said you could die, right? So I see a lot of my friends that struggled with finding a new identity. For me, it was taken from me. So mm. for me, it was stripped away, can't have it, do something else, right? Mm. And that was the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. Because I realized at that point that I was greater than a basketball player. I was greater than my identity was more than just, um, you know, what I was at that present moment. And that's when I started building and growing. And that's where I could sit today and say, no, I'm a creator. Mm -hmm. I create, I build, I grow. Um, You know, those are the things that make me who I am, right? Um, And so those essence of, of I think inside of life, right? Inside of life, you have these pitchforks and you gotta be able to go one way or another, right? And I decided on that day in, in a dark room, you know what I mean? And in, in, in those moments when you're in a dark room, crying your eyes out, trying to figure out what's next, uh, that I chose that I was gonna live that day, right? Like I chose that I was gonna live, but I wasn't gonna ch- choose to live. I was gonna choose to live with vibration. Mm. and movement and momentum right like and so yeah man that's that's uh probably the greatest thing that ever happened to me that's deep bro that's dope though man i'm I'm glad yeah that you look at it like <laughs> that and you know i had a similar uh but yeah very different situation occur um but in 2008 i was uh in uh in an armed robbery mm. uh i was doing the wrong things i get it at the right time I guess. right 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 uh and uh, I got kidnapped, and then, uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, they came to my home, and I just happened to have a shipment, yeah. so they took that and, and, and some money and things of that nature, and so that was 2008, October 28th, to be exact, mm. and then- um, that, That's, that, like, you know the date, yeah. you know the feeling, you know the- Right around 545. Yeah, like, you know, you know, and those are the things I feel like is, is like, those are pitchforks. Like those are the things like that change you forever, mm-hmm. right? And I thought it was the worst day of my life, right? But it actually was the best day of my Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Um, so the reason I thought it was the worst because shit, uh, essays and my connects yeah. was coming, you know, and yeah. I didn't know how that was going to end, right? Um, and so they left. So I was, obviously I'm here, so I was safe. And then, uh, then uh, I had a roommate at the time, so he left. Uh, and I was just alone. Yeah, I was embarrassed until uh, mm-hmm. my mom uh, and, and everybody. So I had to sit by myself for about two weeks mm-hmm. and just kind of like understand uh, the magnitude of what had happened. I yeah. was an insurance agent at State uh, at American Family, um, and I was transitioning to get an independent agency. Mm-hmm. So that kind of like didn't go through. Um, so I was just depressed. But yeah. my connect literally told me this. He's like, I've never met a hustler like yourself. Yeah. It was like you could sell anything. I mean, he he, he didn't kill you, so I mean, like you sold him out of like. You, and so that's when you I, know what I mean, like that that's your influence, like you know what I mean, like. And that's that's what I realized at that moment that yeah. I didn't like. He believed more in me than I believed in myself. Yeah. Oh, that's deep. Yeah. And then you know what I'm saying. And for him to be like, man, you know, we gonna let you get six months to get this back. Mm. Uh, it was just like, uh, uh, like I said, it was still tough. Yeah. 
I was angry, I was bitter, and then I quit blaming. Yeah. And I just really took ownership mm, in, in where it. I was at. That's it. And then so when I took ownership in where I was at, it, it really like, it hones in the day. Like, you know, regardless of what happens, I'm still Buck responsible. Stops. Buck stops with you. Yeah. And I think that that's allowed me to just take accountability of where I'm at and everything I do. Oh, and man. and, it, and I, I credit that day yeah. to a lot of my success today. Oh, no, man. I get it. Because like, I think about like, I tried everything in life. And I, I look back and I'm like, I was a terrible drug dealer. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. You're, you're fine, bro. You're fine. I was absolutely terrible at it. <laughs> I was absolutely. And you can't be a poodle being no, a drug dealer. No, no, you can't be a poodle. No, bro. no, you, you can't be. No, you can't be. You can't be. Like, I was sitting there smoking my own stuff. Like, I was going all the no-nos. Like, and this is what my mama told oh me. Oh, my God. This is Like, my funny. mom is the preacher's wife. Like, I'm, now I'm going to get in trouble. Like, my wife, my mom is, like, the preacher's wife, but she has a past life, right? Yes, like, yes. So she's like, yes, like, yes. listen, you don't need to be this because you suck at it. Like, you're going to end up jail or dead, not because, like, that's what happened to drug dealers, because you're an idiot. Like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> like, like so for me man like i was just so I, I i was a low level like drug dealer right like so I, I would buy stuff and then i'd be like all right like anybody want it like anybody <laughs> anybody <laughs> like, man, nobody you're fried nobody so then dare came to our school i was like <laughs> I gotta flush it. They said I'm, I'm gonna be on crack tomorrow. <laughs> it's a gateway drug. <laughs> man, hey, I appreciate you for coming through and blessing us, man. No, nah, man, I appreciate you. Right on. <laughs> no doubt. Before I leave, uh, is there anything I missed? Well, tell me something that I did not ask, that I did not know. Like, like I didn't know you was. Man, I, I'm like a drug dealer, right? Like, yeah. Man, it's a gateway drug, children. Like, it's a, you know, you do drugs, you be selling crack. Next thing you know, you're naked in a, a brothel. Like, you know. Like, there it is. There it so, is. no, I mean. Um, is there anything I didn't ask? Anything that, you know what I mean, intriguing about yourself that, that the people don't know? Nah, man, I, you know, truly, man, I, I just like to have fun, you know, it, it's just, for me, life is too short, you know, we can, we can act like we always have it together, right, man. like, we can always put up this guru persona, right, like, for me, though, like, I love being transparent, um, so I feel like with inside transparency, you're able to learn, right, so if you can learn from me being a a whack drug dealer, or you can learn from me from being, you know, a terrible dad at one point where I left to follow my dreams, right? Like, if you can learn uh, from me because of that, I, I'm able to be who I am today, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I provide for all my kids, right? Like, the same mother, too. Like, we married now. Like, so it all worked out. But uh, I think if people can learn from, from that, uh, and, and if I can do it, then anybody can do it. There it is. There it so, is. I yeah. appreciate that word, man. So, man, I want to thank you guys for timing in to another episode of Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur. Oop, I take that back. First Generation Wealth Builders. Make sure to tell a friend to tell a friend, man. We got a dope interview here with Sterling Davis, man. Um, dropped a lot of jewels. Um, we learned about syndication and much more, man. Yeah. I appreciate you. Tap in with them. Where can they find you? Yeah, Facebook, Sterling M. Davis Sr., um, you can find me, um, you can call me 888-212-3764, 888-212-EPMG. 
you can reach out. Got you, got you. With that note, we're going to get out of here, man. I see you on the other side.